And welcome in, everybody. This is Forging the Falcons every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. I am Scott Kennedy, your host in Atlanta. He over there is Nick Kendall. He is in Seattle, and we are coast-to-coast coast this morning to discuss the NFL, Atlanta Falcons, all of that things, because the way players jump around from place to place and between fantasy football, we're talking everybody. So, lot to cover this morning. Nick, how are you so far today? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, a little tired. I uh, had a hard, harder time falling asleep last night because the uh, the dog slept up in the bedroom with us, and he was up and down off the bed, and uh, the cat loves... the. Both pets love, love us both, but the cat is definitely the, my wife's, and the dog is definitely mine. So the dog just kept jumping up on me, and when you know when seventy pounds jumps on you at two a.m., uh, you get a little startled. Um, so <laughs> you wake up too. So a little tired, but uh, thankful to have air conditioning in the bedroom uh, for this hot spell out here in Seattle. Yeah, I uh, I love my dogs and stuff, but between um, the shedding with a with a German Shepherd and the double coat <clears throat> that I've had for you know Shepherd mix for the last twenty something years, uh, I won't let the dogs on the furniture. <laughs> You're too big. There's not enough space. You're not allowed. Uh, you get other privileges. So let's say good morning to some folks in the stream that have come through already. And if you're coming in on Facebook, I see that the Heart React has already come in from Dom. So welcome, Dom, on Facebook. Uh, the DWI guys, Ethan, coming over from across the pond over in London, saying good afternoon, gents. And good morning, Ethan. And Mark Schrader over in Texas saying good morning, Scott. Good afternoon, Ethan. And he was he said this before you were here, Nick. So no offense. So no offense. I was already here, and I already said good morning to everybody. So Jeremy Sean also in one of our early risers saying good morning, everybody. Luke Wright in saying good morning, Scott and Nick, and EJ also in. So hit those like buttons, check in and say hello when you're when you're coming in. Um, and I'm not sure what uh, YMOF, but I know Jamal. Jamal says rise up and good morning, Scott. Uh, Nick in the chat, good morning and welcome in, Jamal. We're glad you're here. And Dom is checking in on Facebook, so uh, also saying hello and coming in. But first off. Um, you know, I guess the big news yesterday, why don't we, why don't we just start off with that was Julio Jones, um, arguably the greatest Atlanta Falcon of all time and has really hurt his legacy in Atlanta the last couple of seasons and didn't do it any favors yesterday by, uh, inking what looks like a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming back to the NFC South. Nick, your first, uh, your, your initial reaction when you heard that news. Um, my first reaction is, I guess, who good for Julio. <laughs> I'm cheering, you know, I'm very much a pull in for the players, mostly as long as they're not playing in the uh, AFC West against the Broncos. And uh, Julio, you know, has been a great player, um, for his career, definitely is well past his prime, as we saw with Tennessee last year. Uh, but uh, hoping that uh, he can go out on a, a solid note, you know, a lot of players when they're older, uh, go out, you know, a little sad, little whimper. Um, but uh, hopefully things go out well with Julio, and I hopefully it's a better culture fit. You know, working with Tom Brady there um, can kind of demand what's expected. I think Julio had issues in Tennessee with the expectations for practice and training versus uh, the vet stuff uh, that Julio was expecting. So you could probably speak more on that than myself. My first yeah, reaction he, is, you know, good for Julio. He had, he had, you know, he'd been able to kind of write his own check in Atlanta, you know, yeah. coddled, so to speak, and, and you know, and, and he produces. So he'd, he'd kind of earned that right. Until he stopped producing, um, and then it becomes a problem. You know, as as long as you're out there and you're catching 1,500 yards and and doing all the things that made you who you are, 
you can get away with that type of stuff. But, you know, you say well past his prime and, you know, uh, there's still that hope there, you know, with a player like him, there's still that hope there that he's not well past his prime. He's just been injured. But the problem is, is that's what has pushed him past his prime. Can he get healthy now? Or is his age become such a factor that he cannot get healthy because he hasn't had good hamstrings in two years. That becomes a big problem. My initial reaction was, you know, Julio, you you didn't do yourself any favors on the way out. This certainly isn't going to help. You know, I've heard he's trying to open a car dealership here in Atlanta. Um, I don't think that will be a big problem. You know, people will forgive. People get angry at the time, but then, you know, as soon as it's all done and they're back in the community, like, oh, Julio Jones, yeah, yeah we love you. Um, he'll yeah. always be good in Alabama, no problem there. But, uh, you know, right now he's not going to be the most popular thing in the world. And I, I'm going to have to stick up for Arthur Blank here just a little bit, Nick. Uh, you've heard me mention the Rankin-Smith days and what dark days. And, and when people start cranking on the owner, Nick, people understand the salary cap and what $65 million in dead money actually means to an owner. Can you explain that to them real quick, what that actually means? All the dead cap? I mean, just, yeah. you know, you're, <laughs> you are essentially, you know, coming to a poker game of pennies. Uh, you just don't have the ability to compete. Uh, it's already burned off and uh, you are paying for ghosts. Uh, with your mm-hmm. roster so it's a it's a big uh, handicap it's I think the example you've used has been uh, you know college programs losing scholarships which is similar I think you have a little bit more it's slightly different but you're again you're you're really uh, limited in how you can attack the roster uh, so Falcons with that much dead cap I think it's a good thing uh, that they did it because this is a team that was not really in a, com- a competing window. So mm-hmm. get your numbers right, get your uh, books balanced, and then go from there. And I think that's what the Falcons are doing. But uh, it's definitely a, a massive detriment and something that I think all Falcons fans and national people uh, should take into account when considering how this Falcons team is built right now, where they are, and where they're going. And why it counts against your cap, even though the players aren't there anymore, is because it's money that's already been paid. Mm-hmm. So again, as an ownership, I've already paid Matt. Matt Ryan is being pay, has already been paid forty point five million dollars by the Atlanta Falcons for this season. You know, for the next couple seasons, but they rolled it up into one season. He's already gotten that money. Yeah. Julio Jones counted about seven and a half last year. He counts fifteen and a half this year. Why does Julio Jones count fifteen and a half million dollars against the Atlanta Falcons salary cap this year? Because he's already been paid yep. that money. It's already in his bank account. He already got that money. Yep. Now, if you're the owner and that's your money, wow. <laughs> you know, that's if I had if I had $65 million in money that is being out, that's severance pay. That's basically yep. severance pay, is the easy way to think of that. It's 60 something million dollars in severance pay that counts on your books for this year that you are not allowed to then reallocate into your program, into your franchise. Yes, that's a handicap. But Arthur Blank, I think, was taken advantage of through his own... If he's got his biggest fault, maybe he's he's loyal to a fault. And he was taken advantage of by some guys that, that did did some really, really poor deals and hurt this franchise. And if it hurt anybody, you know, it hurt Arthur Blank in the, in the pocketbook. Um, that's for sure. Um, and shame on the Titans. 
The Titans restructured Julio Jones's contract as soon as he got there, ironically, to save cap space for the 2021 season. He counts $8.5 million on their cap next year. So why can Julio go to Tampa on the cheap? Because he's already been paid $20 million for the 2022 season by the, Tam- by the, by the Tennessee Titans and the Atlanta Falcons. Man. Nick, that's good work if you can get it. Wish I was 6'3", 220 pounds, and could run a 4'3". <laughs> I did not win the genetic lottery in that way. But, uh, yeah, another reason, just to get a little bit more in the specifics of how the, the these contracts work, is that you're right. They are paid. They already got that money, and they paid all that money up front. It's the signing bonus. Mm-hmm. And it's just a accounting function where the signing bonus is prorated or spread evenly across the cap. That's that guaranteed money. So when you're yeah, messing across with contract- the years of the contract. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you're messing with spot rack or w- whatever formula, it's like, man, how does he have such a massive dead cap hit? It's the prorated uh, guaranteed signing bonus that he's paid up front. It's another reason that why having a cash rich owner matters. It's like, well, if this player is only counting 6 million against the cap this year, he's only counting 6 million against the cap, but he's getting, you know, a 4 million uh, base salary, 1 million roster bonus. And then the salary, uh, the, the signing bonus is all being paid up front. It's why being able to put all that money into escrow, uh, you hear that talked about is so important. So uh, teams that are wealthier, uh, have a bit more money, um, you know, just have a little bit more of advantage. And even though there is a salary cap that helps even the field a little bit, but it's better to have more money to pay these guys. Well, and when the salary cap matters is when those guys start to decline. You know, when they're in their prime and you want to give a 25-year-old quarterback a $100, $250 million contract, that's not such a big deal because, you know, he's you want him. You you basically, you're going to give him $40 million a year for the next six years. When he starts hitting his mid-30s or he's a skill player hitting his 30s and they start declining and you start looking at that number, Deion Jones is a perfect example. Why has he declined injuries, whatnot? But, you know, he's got a $24 million dead cap hit. It's going to cost you more to move him than it would to uh, because, because of how much he was paid up front as in the form of a signing bonus. So uh, some more folks rolling in here. Hit those like buttons as you come in. I, um, uh, FC Donnelly coming in. says morning, Bells. Good morning. Kevin Fitzpatrick as well. Keith Robbins also in here saying good morning, Bells. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, my, my initial thought is, you know, as, as far as Julio is, I'd, I'd like to see him get healthy. I don't. I really don't want him being remembered as that old guy that just collected a bunch of you know big contracts. Um, I don't necessarily want to see him have a lot of success in the NFC South, but go go beat up some other teams. And you know, once you're in the playoffs, I think I'll still root for you. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You, your head says one thing, then your heart says another. As soon as you uh, you you. Uh, the games come on. EJ comes in. He asks a great question. He says, Scott and Nick, do you think Arthur Blank and Terry Fontenot tried to work a deal to bring back Julio to Atlanta? No, no. I really don't. Yeah. Um, he, he was, Arthur Blank doesn't say much, uh, but when he was interviewed about how that went down, he was hurt. You know, he, he takes this stuff very personally. Like I said, if he's got a fault, it's he's loyal to a fault and he paid Julio Jones a lot of money. And, you know, Julio didn't give him the courtesy of a phone call for anything on his way out, give him a chance or anything. Just, I went out um, and left and, and Arthur blank came out and said that that bothered him, that, that hurt him. Um, And I think that bridge was burned. And, 
you know, what again, you've already paid him $15.5 million for this season. So, you know, can you get him on a $2 million deal? Would it have been worth it? Yeah, probably, assuming he's going to come in and put in the work. I don't want a prima donna diva wide receiver coming in and says, I've already done this. Uh, you know, you guys go run routes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ice my hamstrings. Uh, I want a guy that's going to come in and work. This is a young rebuilding team. They need they need guys to come in and set an example. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it's part of the thing, too, where I am very much fan sometimes like it. But uh, going back to the old guard doesn't really work, you know, going especially when it's been older, dare I say, more losing uh, cultures. Uh, it's one of the reasons that the Broncos did not bring back Von Miller. Uh, it's a big locker room thing. It's not that Von Miller isn't still a great player, mm-hmm. but you need new leaders to step up. You don't want just old habits, old behaviors and hierarchies uh, just falling right back into place. So uh, this is uh, Arthur Blank's team. This is uh, Terry Fontenot's team. This is, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the Kyle Pitts and Drake London at yes. this point, you know, yeah, on the yes. offensive side of the ball. I mean, and Marcus Mariota too. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. want to, he, Offense, listen to this guy. We brought him in for his leadership and his uh, veteran presence, and a lot of people rave about that. Bring in Julio. You know, some guys are in there. It's like, oh, this is Julio Jones's team. Duh. He's Mr. Falcon, as you kind of put it there um, to start off the show. So uh, I do not think that they probably made a big deal. And also, um, would Julio want to come back right now? I mean, I know that he is definitely on his swan song kind of mm-hmm. speak. Uh, but also, you're talking about a team that we expect to be, you know, probably closer to battling for a top 10 pick than a playoff spot this season. Mm-hmm. So is that what Julio wants to do to close out a season? Cause I mean, going to Tampa, that's going to tick some people off, but he's still Julio Jones. He still had his best years in Atlanta. He still got, you know, seated every restaurant or, you know, every dinner table pr- pretty much in Atlanta, at least I believe um, it's not like he left on terrible terms um, and, you know, gave him the finger on the way out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. And, and I, I think again, I, he could have picked any place he really wanted to play because he could have played for a, a veteran's minimum because he's mm-hmm. already been paid $20 million by the Falcons and Titans already. So his compensation this year is going to be whatever Tampa's paying him plus $20 million uh, in severance. So it's crazy. So good question, EJ. And Roast Axon coming in. That feels like a new name, Roast. So welcome in. Glad to have you. Glad you're here. Looks like you're on a field. It's hard to tell on these thumbnails sometimes. That looks like a, a field in the background. Um, so let's move on a little bit. Uh, Falcons practice opens today. Uh, Cordero Patterson was out at media availability yesterday. And I tell you what, I've missed the smile. If you know, the, I, I don't remember where I first heard the phrase megawatt smile, but by God, it certainly fits him. You know, he's, he comes on and he just lights the place up when he's on there and just listening to him talk about, this is where I wanted to be. Um, they treated me. I love the way they treated me here. They just treated me like a kid who wants to play football. You know, the money was the money was the money, but this is where I want to be. I love it here. Why not retire here? You know, to who doesn't like hearing that about a, a player talking like that about your franchise? It's just it's it's dare I say heartwarming to hear him talk like that. And Nick, I think people are writing him off a little bit. Almost, you know, after he got hurt against the Cowboys last year, his production fell off. But the first half of last season, he was one of the top three or four running backs as far as production in the NFL. Yeah, and that is uh, despite the offensive weaponry around him not being very good and the offensive line being what it was. So uh, it will be an interesting interesting season for him. Obviously, uh, 
Last year, I would say, is the first year where you really started to get an idea of him as a running back. We saw it a little bit with the uh, the Patriots there, remembering uh, 84 rocking there with the <laughs> Patriots uniforms and like, why can't I put him in my running back spot in fantasy? Uh, mm-hmm. But um, there, I would say there's more of a book out there on him now, too, is what to expect. So it will be inter- interesting uh, to see what he looks like. But, I mean, big, fast, uh, decent vision and uh, solid getting out in space. I mean, that play is in the NFL. Uh, I guess the biggest question is, Father time, you know, the running back position hasn't taken the hits like a normal running back. But again, you still get dings and bruises. Uh, What does that look like? You know, a year older, a year with uh, a little bit more, you know, hits on on the body. Uh, So either way, though, a good player um, seems like a really uh, well-spoken kid as well. And uh, been following him, gosh, since his Tennessee days. I think you remember talking about him when he before he transferred to or. uh, was he a yeah, I saw him when he was, I don't remember if it was Hutchison or or where he went, but I, I put five stars next to his name coming out of junior college. What was interesting to me in junior college at wide receiver is he was always on the coach's side. So he wasn't on the quarterback's left or the quarterback's right. He was on the coach's side. So he was always on the coach's sideline. So um, you know, I don't know if they he had some trouble with the plays or they brought him in or whatnot, but that was something that uh, kind of a mentor of mine in the the scouting business pointed out when he went and he went and filmed him and he sent me the film. He's like, check this out. He's always he's always on the coach's side. But um, as far as a man with the ball in his hands, you know, and that's what he says. Just just give me the ball. You know, I just want the ball. Um, <clears throat> but he's a lot nicer about it than Keyshawn Johnson was, and he's willing, probably willing to do a little bit more to get the ball in his hands. And he will be returning. That was one of the things he revealed. He will be returning kicks at least until he gets one more kick return for a touchdown, which would set or break the NFL record. He goes, I got I got to get that one. He says, I'm going to keep doing it until I get that one. If, if I do, I'll, I'll probably stop. Um, and you mentioned, yeah, he didn't have the wear and tear, but like you said, as soon as you turn 30, the recovery time for some of those nicks and bruises can take a little bit longer. Yep. Yeah, and uh, again, another year of tape out there on him, some of his tendencies, because he doesn't really play – he played running back. He liked to kick it out a lot. I think he had some of the most yards outside the tackle box in the NFL last season. Part of that, again, <laughs> offensive line issues. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll be serious. Uh, interesting to see how uh, teams with another year of tape on him making that transition play. But uh, good for him. I mean, fun player was late first round, mid late first round pick for the Vikings in that year. Where they mm-hmm. had three first round picks and uh, kind of bounced around for a bit. But uh, making a. Nice little name for himself there in Atlanta. Maybe another guy that, not like Julio Jones, obviously, but getting a seat at the table going forward in uh, Atlanta uh, Falcons fandom in the city. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned something about, you know, the leaders on the team. I'm like, well, CP to me is, he feels like he was the first guy out, you know, at at, mm-hmm. uh, at camp yesterday. Uh, the first guy out there. And, and why wouldn't you? That's well done Atlanta Falcons PR, you know, to get Cordero Patterson out there. And I fed that, that megawatt smile. Yeah talking about i love it here couldn't wait to come back why wouldn't i want to be here I live here my kids love it here i wake up happy i'm like yeah i want him leading i want him the first guy off the bus i want i want the camera in his face um let's uh let's talk about we, we got some some camp preview going on we mentioned you know some of the weapons here i think on the offensive side of the ball uh there's some that are already written in, in sharpie pen uh kyle pitts uh drake london i think walks in as a number one wide receiver without a doubt um after that, there's several different receivers. Uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, Demir Bird. Uh, we talk Braylon Edwards, or Brian Edwards, I'm sorry. Uh, Braylon, that shows my age. I've told you I do that all the time. I don't know how announcers don't do that more. 
Go know, blue. Like, <laughs> yeah, Braylon Edwards was, I think, Michigan wide receiver like in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, it is. I remember him. Uh, <laughs> back when they still had NCAA football, I had to double him, you know, that kind of thing with the Hawkeyes. But, uh, but go ahead. Yeah, but Brian Edwards, um, you know, there's some there's some intriguing folks there. Um, but then the quarterback position, you know, how how long a leash do you think Marcus Mariota gets? And speaking of a long leash, Mark Schrader's got as long a leash as he needs on this show. So Mark's Mark's the one of the good ones and coming in with a big super chat again, helping helping keep the lights on, keeps my forehead nice and shiny. So Mark, thank you so much for coming in orange on the super chat. You're a you're a huge uh, help to the show. You know, yes, part of the show for us, and uh, appreciate you being here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sorry, Mark got me distracted. What was the the no talking? Um, you know, talking about you know Marcus Mariota. How long mm-hmm. a leash do you think he gets yes. before we might see Desmond Ritter? Because it's funny. I saw you know in the in the Twitter sphere talking about oh you know Matt Ryan couldn't run and then they draft Desmond Ritter. Ha ha. I'm like, wait, what? Desmond Ritter can fly. Desmond Ritter is a four or five guy. He he is yeah. you know if he look doesn't look like a a mobile quarterback, it's because he's a good pocket passer. Yeah. So he's got lots of tools and and a very prolific thrower. Um, you know, got him for a relative song in, in the third round. You know, we thought he might go top of the second. You know, there was talk of him getting, you know, people moving up into the back end of the first. Highest um, rated rookie quarterback in Madden. Not a, nice. Not a, not, he, okay, good. He's um, He's not, there's not a ton of pressure on him. You know, how long before, you know, how long a leash do you think Marcus Mariota gets going into this season? I think it has a lot more to do with uh, Desmond Ritter than it does Marcus Mariota and the trajectory of the team. Now, if Marcus Mariota, you know, falls completely flat or, you know, gets injured, which he's had a history of some, you know, injuries um, in his career, then uh, you see Desmond Ritter take over. But I think a lot of it is more about how quickly Desmond, they feel comfortable with Desmond Ritter and uh, how quickly things potentially get off the rails this season for the Falcons. If you're two thirds way through the season and you have one or two wins and uh, Mariota, you're not really getting a bolt from that. Uh, you are in a position where you have live reps where you can develop slash evaluate uh, the young quarterback on your roster. Cause if you have one win through you know, 12 games of the season, uh, you're talking about Bryce young, CJ Stroud, maybe somebody else emerging. So uh, I think it's more about that uh, rather than, uh, what Marcus Mariota does or doesn't do outside of the uh, the injury side of things. Yeah, Marcus Mariota, he's basically on a one-year deal with a one-year club option. It's uh, you know a two-year, nineteen million contract, but it was six and a half, six. We'll just call it seven, seven million guaranteed. You know his dead cap number drops to two and a half million, and his cap hit next year jumps to fourteen and a half. He he ain't playing on that contract. Um, no. You know unless he plays to fifteen million dollar type of player, which would put him borderline top 10 money um because there's a big drop off after you hit those 40 50 you know it goes from like 30 to 15 there's a big yeah. drop off on the on the salary so um he's on a basically a one-year deal you know considering you paid matt ryan 40 million dollars to leave uh you know dropping two on marcus Mariota isn't really a, a hindrance on him and as joe comes and he says being a good pocket passer makes people think he can't run and yeah he can fly yeah. you know he, he's he is a pocket passer you know, just because he he his first reads are okay, one, two, three, take off instead of one take off, like a lot of the guys that can run like that are. You know, they'll they don't trust their you know, Malik Willis was a lot like that, Nick. Yep. Um, and a lot of those guys come in. Malik would re- make his first read, 
And if he didn't like it, he'd take off running. And, and we talk about the progressions. Uh, Desmond Ritter <clears throat> will go through his projections. He's, he's project, not projections. Progressions. What did I just say? Progressions. Progressions. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like possessions, projections, progressions. Wait. All right. We, he'll go through his progressions. Uh, but, he, you know, he was, uh, he was farther ahead as a quarterback at Cincinnati, without a doubt. Um, you know, does he have the raw tools that Malik Willis does? Maybe, maybe not. No. Um, but no, there's definitely some tools there. Uh, Michael Rancio coming in saying good morning, Nick and Scott and on Forge and the Falcons. Have a great show. Thank you, sir. And Albert Knoppers uh, coming in as well. But Marcus Mariota has got the chance to earn himself a nice paycheck again for the 2023 season. <clears throat> and I think he'll come in. The job is his, you know, until he he loses it. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to throw Ritter out there. I think it's his, you know, to to take it and run, so to speak. Yeah, and uh, I guess here's a question for me, and maybe a cautious tale uh, for Falcons fans out there. But let's say you know you have four games left in the season, and you do see Ritter out there, and you have a chance to take a quarterback that you love. I don't think there's anything uh, that Ritter can do, honestly, that would keep me from considering uh taking a quarterback if i'm in the position to do it because you didn't four games is not a sample size to do that and what you are going against is not just the four games and the potential you don't just have four games you have their entire bevy of college uh tape as well that made him a third round pick versus you know potentially right. a top five quarterback so um is it fair to desmond ritter in that situation no but it's not about being the most fair to every player in the roster it's about getting a quarterback and winning football games so uh Will be interesting to see how that plays out, but I just my my head goes to uh, again maybe too much uh, scar tissue on this one. But Drew Locke, you know, four games at the end. Oh, the Broncos finished or five games. They finished four and one. They played like five of the bottom ten defenses, and uh, his stats were you know five yards per attempt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they won though. Okay, Mm. Um, but uh, just like don't take the cheese on that one. If you are in a position to get a quarterback and you haven't seen uh, much of. Ritter. Oh, it's the potential. It's, it's like, a, did you watch Family Guy, Scott? Ever? I don't know. Okay. It's one of the earlier episodes. It's like, okay, you're coming to listen to this timeshare offer, blah, blah, blah. And after you're done, you have a chance to uh, win a boat or the mystery box. It's like, <laughs> oh man, mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. You know how bad we wanted one of those? Like, you know, just so mm-hmm. I guess maybe not the best analogy because it's a draft pick. It's still the mystery box, so to speak, but four games, small sample size. It's also part of the college tape evaluation. Yeah, it is. And I guess the best worst case scenario is you end up with, you know, someone like Will Anderson instead if you pass on a quarterback. <laughs> but um another wide receiver. You better hope you got another wide receiver. <laughs> um don't do that to me, man. Um, you know, Jamal comes in, he says they're trying to win, so Marietta's gonna get a chance to have a bounce back year. <clears throat> and I agree. It's his job. It's his job to lose. So, you know, how how long before he loses it? If, if it happens, you know, one in five, you know, if they start off in that, in that neck of the woods, you know, around week six, let me, let me pull up the schedule here real quick. Um, you know, while you address Jamal's, uh, uh, Jamal's, uh, comment real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Marietta, obviously they're going to try to win this season, but you can try to win in the locker room with those guys where the, the roster structure and setup says, you know what, if anything we win this year is just gravy, but we are definitely a get right uh, season as well. But uh, hopefully, you know, Ritter is uh, 
I don't know. I'm pulling for both these guys. They both seem like yeah. great guys. Um, so not pulling for one or the other. I don't really have any uh, chips in on this one. Uh, but uh, do like Marcus Mariota. I've been a fan of him since his Oregon days and like Ritter as well, um, especially for where the Falcons got him. And best case for the Falcons is probably Ritter, you know, lightning in a bottle. You get a Dak Prescott kind of quarterback and um, off you go. Not many uh, non first round quarterbacks have really taken off over the last decade. I think it's four. Oh. USA and we can we can segment to this also. USA Today had a season prediction. They had the Falcons with the number one overall pick. They had them two and fifteen. And and Nick, that might be close to where I had them. I meant to go back and look when we did a season prediction when the schedule came out, and I'll go back. But I may have had them two and fifteen or three and fourteen also, because um, I just don't see many games except for maybe the Bears and the Panthers at home where they're going to be favored. So open against New Orleans Saints. That game's not unwinnable. That's a, that's a winnable game. They won't be favored, but you can beat the Saints at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't choose the Falcons, but it's not unwinnable. At LA Rams, I, I hate to say, uh, you know, I, I, hedging this knowing that no game is unwinnable, but that's not a game you would think that you're going to win. Yeah. Seattle Seahawks are beatable week three, but it's... Yeah. Back-to-back West Coast trips, you know, against a 12th fan on the road at Seattle is tough. Cleveland Browns is a wild card. They could be a playoff team or they could be 0-17. Yeah. It's, that's, that's a really strange one. Week 5 at Tampa, um, that's, not, that's not a game you would pencil in as a win. So, again, you're, you're not going to be favored in your first five games. Then you come home with San Francisco. You go on the road to Cincinnati. Then week 8 is Carolina Panthers. Week nine is is Chargers. So, you know, it's conceivable that you're coming back to Carolina after week seven, one and six. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not out of the – you're more likely to be 0 and 7 than you are 3 and 4. Uh, that's just the way it is. So, if you're, if you're 1 and 6, even 2 and 5, and you're coming back, that might be a good place where you say, okay, the leash is long enough. Carolina Panthers at home Sunday, October 30th. Um, that might be the place where you, you, you might think about making a change if, if that's the way it goes. So I think that's, that's where that might be. Um, and Joe Cannon says, could Ritter show enough in the preseason, to make a push to start the season? Uh, never say never, but I, I think they're close enough physically that the experience will go. You'll, if I like Ritter, I don't necessarily want to throw him to the wolves right away. We saw what that did with Jalen Mayfield. Jalen Mayfield is an interior offensive lineman. He's just got to, you know, you're expected to take your lumps there. You can end a quarterback's career basically through by, by throwing him out there before he's too, too ready, just making him gun shy and, and all those type of things. So I think you will definitely hedge. So while possible, I think, I would bet a lot of money. I'd give it 10 to 1, 50 to 1 that Marcus Mariota is, this, if healthy, the starter week one. Yeah, it would be pretty shocking, uh, non-injury related, uh, if that's the case. But uh, again, coming back, you know, it was pretty – this is another thing. I think it should be pretty obvious almost immediately if Desmond Ritter is going to be a guy or not. Um, sometimes you have the Josh Allens where it's like something clicks, but Josh Allen had – you know, 99 on all the physical traits in the league. And not that Desmond Ritter isn't a toolsy guy, but he's not, you know, a tight end body with the strongest arm in the NFL and one of the top five, 10 athletes of the position at the same time. So it's a little bit different. And I just keep coming back to Dak Prescott. I don't know if you remember Dak Prescott's preseason um, that year with the Cowboys. I was working with a Cowboy fan at the time, and I really, really liked Dak coming out of college. So I was um, interested to see how he'd play, but it was pretty obvious immediately 
that it's like, oh my gosh, this this that guy, he's uh he's out here killing it. And it's just preseason games, so obviously you still uh want to see what it looks like, but uh, it was pretty obvious and apparent immediately uh that Dak could play now. Granted, the Falcons offense this year around Desmond Ritter versus what that uh was it 2016 Cowboys offense with Zeke and that offensive line and everything a lot different. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, still, I think you should have an idea uh, pretty, hopefully you should have an idea pretty quickly if uh, Desmond Ritter belongs or not. Cause rookie quarterbacks, this linear progression, this linear growth, it's a lie. Um, it's not a thing. A lot of time. I mean, how quickly was it obvious that Patrick Mahomes was the guy or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, you know, you know, quickly and I fans like to hold out on hope and whatnot, but uh, those guys that, you know, switch, turns on them that's that's a pretty rare exception yeah I, looking back last year oh the quarterback class was a bust you know i, I saw plenty from trevor lawrence um yeah. you know uh mac jones again he was the quarterback of the best team yeah he he could be a shepherd so to speak yeah. um justin fields we need to see more the jury's still out all right trey lance that off, <laughs> off trey lance we'll get to see him this year you know yeah. obviously there is no jury out there there there's he's got an incomplete completely right now Zach Wilson, I would hedge towards bonehead, you know, and that's the part. I mean, and, and I, I, I hate to say that, but when he it's Jay Cutler ish for me, mm-hmm. he may throw for some yards, but I always refer to Jay Cutler as the dumbest smart guy I ever saw play, you know, going to Vanderbilt. I know you were smart, uh, but you played like a bonehead. You were always putting the ball in places you shouldn't do trusting your arm to do things that you, you shouldn't be doing. That's what I saw to Zach Wilson last year. Plenty of tools, but can you get over the putting your team in danger gene that is looks like he's got? Because when he was having the most trouble was when he had time, when he was on the run and freelancing and just able to 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 get rid of the ball. You know, Mike Vick ish. <laughs> when you know when Mike Vick broke down a play, that was when he became real scary. He wasn't yeah. nearly he wasn't quite as scary when he sat back in the pocket. Mike Vick was a lot better than Zach Wilson showed yeah. last year. Um, so, you know, you, while you know early, if you've got them, you don't necessarily know that you don't yeah. just yet. You know, the, yeah. I think the jury's still out on those guys um, just a little bit. Um, Jamal coming in, sticking up with the Falcons here saying, keep sleeping. The Falcons are going to win at least eight to nine games a season, maybe 10 just depends on the O-line and defense, but I think both are going to step up this, this, uh, this season and and Jamal, that's those are big ifs is is part of the problem. Um, you know your your wide receiver room is is largely untested with with Drake London and then you've got Alameda Zacchaeus who was a four or five not too long ago. Um, but again, forget all that. Uh, you, you said it right here. Your O line and defense. Your O line last year was one of the worst in the league. You had the worst pass rusher in the NFL in Jalen Mayfield. I think he'll get better, and if he improves to just bad from the worst, that'll help. That will help. Uh, can Jermaine Freedy do a better job at right tackle or can Caleb McGarry play for a contract? Because his fifth year option did not get picked up. He will be a, uh, he'll be a free agent. The, uh, the interior line still has two big question marks on it next to Grady Jarrett. Uh, I like the linebacker group. I really do. Uh, safety. you got questions at both safety spot and the two corner spots and the nickel corner looks pretty good. Assuming Isaiah Oliver comes back healthy. That's another big if. Whew. That was a lot of question marks, Nick. Yeah. And we not, we're not even sure what we're getting out of quarterback. So that's a lot of question marks. And then there is zero depth 
zero. <laughs> so any of those injuries and you're putting in a, you know, a guy off waivers off a practice squad somewhere. So that's why there are so many questions and why the, the, the outlook on the team isn't overly positive. We'll see. It's why they play the games, right? Yep. Absolutely. You don't know. And we're just projecting, you know, we're uh, prognosticators doesn't mean it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm pulling for the Falcons. Uh, love the team. Been following them for a bit. They were one of my favorite teams in Madden for a while. Hey, get in line, Nick. How original. Um, but uh, it would be a lot of fun. Also, I'm, I'm a certified, I am a card carrying member of the Tom Brady haters. Um, so anybody that can, you know, punch Tom Brady a bit, I, he's a little bit more enjoyable in, in Tampa than uh, in New England. Maybe for me, maybe not for you guys. Uh, but uh, any way that, uh, you know, you can get a jab at Tom Brady, I'm about it. So lose, losing a game to the Falcons this year. Oh, beautiful. Sign me up. Likely? No. Um, but uh, Falcons winning at least eight to nine games. I'll believe it when I see it. You can call me a hater. You can call me a doubter. Um, I just uh, think they have too many question marks at too many important positions. Um, and if they had, let's say you wipe out everything, let's everything's the same. Um, and you had a top three quarterback that, you know, can go nuclear and win you games. Maybe we're having a conversation there. I just don't think Marcus Mariota is that guy. I think Marcus Mariota is very much the uh, the pilot. Um, if you have a great roster, your top 10 offensive line, a top 10 defense around him, then we are talking, you know, eight, nine, 10 games, I think, because he can steer that, uh, steer a good roster. But he's not the quarterback where you put it all on him. And again, people underestimate how ridiculous $64 million in dead cap money is. Yeah. How ridiculous that is. So <clears throat> the Falcons have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They have seven players on their entire 53 right now. Seven that are a $4 million cap hit or higher. Just seven. And they have $63 million in dead money. They could add, they could double that number with, yeah. with, you know, and go from seven guys that are $4 million players to 21 guys that are $4 million players. If they could get that money back, they can next year. Yeah. Um, you know, and Jalen Mayfield wasn't supposed to be a starter last year. Um, I know. I, I stick up for Jalen Mayfield. He's, he he played more games last year. He was actually drafted to push Caleb McGarry at right tackle and was forced in at guard. But the only replacement they have, the guy that got hurt, uh, was it Gano, who was thought they could bring in, or Andrews, they thought they could, mm-hmm. they could play that spot. They're both gone. So the only replacement they brought in to push Jalen Mayfield is six-round pick Justin Schaefer. The only repla- the person they brought in for right tackle is Jermaine Freedy, who is a cast off for the Chicago Bears. So personnel wise, hasn't gotten a lot better. That's kind of scary. Should they be better? Yeah, I expect Jalen Mayfield to be better. I really do. Um, one, he can't get worse. Um, and two, he played more games at guard than he did for for the Falcons in the NFL last year than he did games for the Michigan Wolverines. I think he only played four or had 14 starts for the Michigan Wolverines at right tackle. And he played 16 or 17. I think he played all 17 last year, Nick. So I expect Jalen Mayfield to improve. And again, if he can improve just to bad from the worst, that'll be a big step in the right direction. But again, those are a lot of ifs and key players. And you're not going to get the right answers from all of those that we just went through. We just went through like eight season breaking ifs. What about the pass rush? We didn't even mention, I didn't, I skipped yeah. the edge position. <laughs> yeah. When I went through, I went interior line back to linebackers. Lorenzo Carter, is he going to be an upgrade over Dante Fowler? Maybe he finished well. Um, yes, Arnold and McKetty and, uh, and D'Angelo Malone will be an upgrade on Stephen Means. That one I am confident in saying yes, but will they be plus starters? Probably not. 
you know, yeah. probably not as rookie edge guys. They won't be plus guys, but they will be improved. The big improvement for me on defense is going to be Casey Hayward for Fabian Moreau. And yeah. that that's still a big one because Fabian Moreau was a sieve out there. He was yeah. he was just miserable to watch. Casey Hayward will go out and play. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that to that one. But again, lots of lots of questions, lots of questions to be answered. And uh, it won't take long, Nick. They're back at practice. We won't get answers at practice because it's all internal. But preseason games are right around the corner, and we'll start getting some answers uh, when the regular season kicks off. Here, it comes quick. It does. It comes quick. I what are we one month from today's the uh I thought I saw one month today from his week zero of college football kicking off so we are we are right around the corner um with all of that so really excited for that and uh one last question here before I probably got to get going here pretty soon Scott mm-hmm. um but uh will Troy Anderson be starter in his rookie year uh what do you think Scott because I know you are a big uh big mm-hmm. Troy Anderson guy um uh, yes maybe not right away uh but will he start by the end of the season again assuming uh I, I hate repeating this every time, but yeah. assuming they stay healthy, assuming without injuries, yes, uh, Troy Anderson will be a starter uh, for the Atlanta Falcons before the season is out. He is physically an upgrade in every way on uh, on Foye Luakon. Uh, you know, good luck, Foye. I'm glad you got mm-hmm. the bag. My God, what a contract you got. Congratulations. I'm happy yeah. for you. Um, I'm also happy the Falcons didn't try and match that deal at 15 a year for uh for an inside linebacker and uh troy anderson is bigger and he's faster now foye was a uh an ivy league guy so Mm -hmm. definitely i'm not gonna say smarter Um, that doesn't necessarily mean football instincts but you know he led the league in tackles he he had instincts but he's 220 pounds soaking wet troy anderson is going to come in 245 and knocking on the door 250 in the next year or two, as he just keeps getting bigger as these, these guys do in the NFL as they mature. Um, he was a conference player of the year on both sides of the ball. So as a running back, and I think he even played some like option quarterback at, at Montana state, I think it was, you yep. know, a lower division and running back and running, back. he was, but he was definitely all, all conference running yep. back before becoming all conference linebacker. The yep. description for a guy like that is football player. Yeah. football player. And yes, I want a guy with this kind of instincts playing middle linebacker for me that can drop a four, four, five, uh, 40 yard dash at 240 something pounds. Love Troy Anderson. And the thing about Troy Anderson too, with how he tested, uh, if it doesn't work for him at linebacker, let's say the processing, uh, is not there. Um, for him, you talked about, you know, playing quarterback and running back, but it's still a projection, um, for him processing the tape at Montana state had him guessing a good bit and uh, making up for it with his athleticism, which is not a shock, uh, given, you know, still pretty relatively new to that linebacker spot, but given his athletic profile and his size, not being too diminutive. Um, if he can't hang at that stack linebacker, that second level, you got a guy who has an option at an edge. I mean, you could really in theory, uh, Micah Parsons him to an extent. Now not going to be Micah Parsons, but, um, well, where the athletic- Parsons was a freak on a different level. I mean, he was yes. four threes with like, you know, four Oh shuttles, 40 inch yep. vertical leaps. Troy Anderson is a plus athlete in the world's, greatest athlete sport of the NFL football. He's a plus athlete. He's not Micah Parsons, but you don't have to be Micah Parsons to be really good. No. Yeah. And I'm just pulling up his mock draftable right now. Um, But, uh, and it's Anderson with an E. I always get that one wrong myself, but if you put him at uh, that edge spot, I mean, his, he's small for the position, no doubt, but the 10 yard split, which really matters to the the edge spot is a 99th percentile, 40 yard dash, 98th vertical jump, 80th broad jump, 95th. Um, And the, 
you probably add a little bit of weight to him as well, but his number one uh, comparison, Nick Benito um, up there. So uh, some other guys oh. like there's Sam Williams. And you know, so. you know who I was thinking was a, cause he played inside linebacker. I know he'll butt heads um, and set an edge was a mm-hmm. tougher Vic Beasley. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, Vic Beasley was an undersized speed rusher um, who helped lead the Falcons to the Super Bowl in 2016 with a, a one hit wonder type of season for him. Thank you, Vic. Uh, wish you would have been able to sustain it. Uh, Ethan comes in. This is good show, gents. Learning more each week about the Falcons. Gonna be it's a fun year. You know the the more you learn about teams, the more fun they are to watch. It's hard sometimes mm-hmm. just to turn a game on cold unless you're playing fantasy. So I, I think this will uh, this will get get going for sure. And Kevin coming is coming in saying I can't get, get, disagree with you guys the last, but I'm an internal op an eternal optimist. Eight and nine. I think our coaching staff is a twelfth man. Uh, I'm going to post a, a, as that later this afternoon, I'm going to post some quotes and stuff from Cordell Patterson and just listening to him talk. I've said before, one of the reasons I want to try and set expectations for folks that are coming and saying this should be a playoff team is because I think Arthur Smith did a fantastic job last year. I love the way the players talk about him, including Cordell Patterson last uh, yesterday, just saying, hey, he's the man. Uh, Arthur Smith, whatever he wants, will do. I love that. You know, yeah. he's... He seems like a player's coach, but there's no question about who's in charge. And again, mm-hmm. ringing seven wins out of that team last year was was really good. The schedule's harder. And again, you're playing with $65 million. You're paying other players $65 million to play other places. And I cannot, I want to see Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot with the Atlanta Falcons years three, four, and five with their team, their salary cap. I want to, I want to give that, I want to see that. So I agree with you. I'm, I'm very, I'm very pleased with the direction of the franchise, Kevin. Yep. Hard not to be. Um, we'll see how it turns out, but uh, definitely on the, seems to be on the right path. So, yep. Um, and Jamal finishing up the regime is addition to the last regime. Yep. They are. And uh, again, but they're, they're, they're coming, they're coming to a gunfight with a knife, you know, one arm behind their back, whatever cliche you want to use that again, you knock off a quarter of the salary cap and it's hard to compete. It just mm-hmm. is. So um, we will see. Nope. Try again. You know, and there's, there's no reason for that. Um, you know, wait until I'm wrong before you tell me I'm wrong. Okay. That's, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. You could be right, but at least let me be wrong before you LOL and tell me I'm wrong. Cause right now, neither one of us are wrong. That's what makes this fun. So on that note, uh, appreciate you coming in EJ. Appreciate you coming in, Michael, Ethan, and uh, Mark Schrader, thank you for the star's contributions. Uh, yeah. Helps keep the lights on. Like I said, keep my forehead nice and shiny. Um, I am headed over to Mile High Huddle to assist Kim with beckoning the Broncos. It's not there yet because I checked before I came live here. The stream is not live yet, but it will be. I have to build it because it didn't get built. So that should be on there uh, any moment. And uh you know, as EJ says, presenting sponsor, well, Mark and Ethan. Mark and Ethan were our presenting sponsors today. But as always, check out Ryan Kennedy Homes. Um, Ryan Kennedy Homes for North Metro Atlanta, in your area, hot market, great place. I'm not going to show I'm not going to show the, the billboard on this, but uh, we're going to get out of here and let everybody get moving, get over to, uh, to Mile High Huddle. So, uh, but Ryan Kennedy Homes, check it out. Do some shopping. You know, if you're looking to upgrade, if you're looking to sell, get into the area, you're going to need an agent. So, so yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good, Jamal. Like I said, he says I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about the national media. Yeah, but the, the thing is, though, is I don't necessarily disagree with what a lot of the national media is saying. 
<laughs> I, uh, I, I kind of agree with this. You know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got my finger on the pulse of this team. I've been here a long time. The part of that, though, we say, I always say everybody's biased. You know, oh, it's a non-biased opinion. That's not. It's impossible. Bias is what makes us who we are. Now, can you recognize your bias? And I'll admit it. My bias as a lifelong Atlanta sports fan is I am a negative SOB for good reason. <laughs> um, I have been beaten up and beaten down for 45 years of, uh, of Atlanta sports. So I'm cynical. I, I am. You've, you've really got my, my team's never going to win. We're never going to get the team we want. The player's going to choose somebody else in free agency. Um, so I am, I am on the negative side of things, but I try and be realistic on this. And again, there's a lot of questions coming in. Never say never, but uh, again, the, the, it's going to be, it's going to be a slog this year and that's okay. Yep. They, they did that this year. Eat the dead cap money, be a slog. They reward you for failing in the NFL. Well, then if you're going to fail, fail big, fail with mm-hmm. flair. They'll reward you for it. Come out swinging next year. Come out swinging next year. On that note, everybody, appreciate you being here. Uh, thanks, Jamal and Mark, EJ, Luke, everybody, Ethan, for being here today. And uh, check us out on, on iTunes. We are Forging the Falcons on uh, Spreaker, on iTunes, wherever you happen to get your podcasts. We are here every Wednesday at 9 a.m. And, Nick, it's almost football season. It's almost football season. You guys have a good one. We'll see you tonight on MHI, and we'll see you tomorrow morning with Scott and I again.